Four extremely underqualified women, <coughs> except for the one with a screenwriting degree, are here to analyze potential bait for the 2021 Academy Awards so you don't have to. Like Frances McDormand, we've got some things to say, so remember that these are our opinions. If you think we have a bad take, let us know. This podcast will contain spoilers, so listen at your own risk. Now grab your popcorn, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Oscar Bait. Welcome to Oscar Bait with your hosts, Julia Boyle, Libby Haberberger, Maddie Haberberger, and Emily Kaye. Hi, little Bennies. We've said this for a couple of the movies that we've done so far, but this is most definitely one of our most anticipated films of the year, Chloe Zhao's Nomadland. This movie has been on our radar since like summer 2020. Like in core, we were like, we're really excited for it. But it's based on Jessica Bruder's book, Nomadland, Surviving America, which chronicles true stories of real nomads who travel across the country. In the movie, Frances McDormand stars as Fern, who turns to nomadism after the plant she worked at gets shut down. We follow Fern and her fellow nomads as they navigate the trials and tribulations of life on the road. In our vans again. Just can't wait to get in our vans hey, again. Hey, yo. Francis McDormand, check. Francesca McDormand. Is that a real name? God. Linda May, Linda everyone. May. Sorry. I wrote that Linda May was the goat. I need to turn my mic down because I actually have a voice this week and I had it down. I had it up so high to hear me. It was it was Linda May for me. <laughs> it was Linda May for me. It was Francis for me. It was Chloe Zhao for me. Yeah, it was Chloe. Chloe Zhao wrote, directed, and edited this movie. She's insane. She edited it too, bro. Like I can't. Wait, wait, wait. Before we before we get into this, I do want to put again. I know we talked about this last week, but like. We've been on this train. <laughs> we were the first passengers. We were. <laughs> we camped out I was like no joke. I was literally the conductor. <laughs> and you might be thinking, guys, why did you literally wait until March to watch it then? Life gets busy. Uh, That's on mental oh, illness, bro. Hi. In case you didn't know, I have depression. <laughs> it took a moment to come out, but we finally got to experience it in all of its glory and let me tell you bro it is glorious i knew nothing about this well actually that's a lie i knew some bits and pieces of the movie before watching it but i i was not expecting what i got but my expectations were exceeded let's just put it that way i think i like going into movies having no idea what it's going to be about yeah me too is it a toby heath shirt today yeah, in honor of I love this bar playing in Nomadland. Did everyone catch bar. that? Yes, we he played in yes, the movie. Yes, wait, Kate, what was the one lyric? What was the one lyric that was in it? It was like we got we got strippers and I love that song. That's one of my period. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Toby Keith songs. Okay, there's something really validating about just knowing something's gonna be good. Yeah, and it's really good. Fruity yeah. serum. Again, we talk yeah. about Parasite every second, but like. When we went and saw Parasite, we were like, we went because it had so much hype, and we literally like levitated out of the theater. And I had a similar level of expectation. Do you remember we weren't gonna see Parasite? We were supposed to see something else, and Julia was like, "Wait, can we see Parasite?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've heard Mm -hmm. a lot of good things about it." And I think Maddie was like, "Is it scary?" And we were like, "We don't know." Well, I don't remember what we were gonna see, but we didn't. I don't remember either. But you were like, my friends have said like. Because we were like, okay, should we see what it's about? And then you said that your friends told you to go into it knowing as little as possible, which I'm was so the best way to go about it. And we yeah. knew vague. It's called Nomadland, so you can guess that it's about little nomads. Little nomads. But I, I again, like like you, Julia, I didn't really know too much about it going yeah. in. 
And we talked about this last week with Minari, too. We're comparing this movie to a lot of pieces, but it is its own beautiful thing for sure. It's completely its own. Yeah, like Minari was slice of life. Nothing too much happens. It's not super action-packed, but you still leave feeling so much feeling stuff. something you feel you feel you took a journey with those people and we took a literal journey with our girl fern fern i didn't realize she edited it me neither too. i didn't know yeah, she edited it i didn't either but that's just that's powerful that is called power she's that's the true insanity. girl boss she's the true girl boss i think that's cool though of her to be like you know what this is my little baby boy so i'm gonna direct it i'm gonna edit it and i'm gonna write it it was such a a passion like we've said that so much this year but like this movie had a soul and a heart and it was it was so like ruminative but there were times where it was so urgent and then there were times where it was so like pensive and thoughtful and like that was all carried immensely by the score which we'll talk about later which is absolutely the greatest score of the year like mind-blowing score we'll get to that later we'll get to that later i was reading an article about it and um someone wrote i forget what article it was but they said this movie was patient and it let you see everything and i thought that was such a good way to describe it like the movie was patient like it didn't it didn't just cut from scene to scene to scene it was yeah I don't know. I just really so good. It was so and the the camera work was so mm-hmm. omniscient. That is such a difficult thing to yeah. achieve. And I think that uh, the last movie that I watched that had really like omniscient camera work in a, in a very unforgiving way was 1917, which I was thinking I've been trying to decide if I like this or Judas I better. Can't I can't decide. figure it out because I love them both so very much. Yeah. that was like parasite 1917 for me obviously i like parasite better because like how can you not but like those two last year were like my two big ones and this especially and in 1917 it did not feel like i was watching a movie it felt like i was there i know i I love whenever a movie makes me feel like i'm in a different world and like i'm in the world of the movie itself that's how i felt when i watched nomadland felt like i was in a whole new world i am so baffled by the amount of character it had too like this this barely two hour long movie like it was an entire different planet that Chloe Zhao Bill. I don't mind a long movie because, like, Me I'm either. the kind of person who likes movies. Like, my friend Connor, love you, girl. I guarantee you he will never listen to this because <laughs> he has ADHD and can't focus on anything. And he's like, I don't remember the last time I watched a movie because I literally can't focus through a movie. I so can. And I'm willing to sit there for, like, a long time, like, a fat time. This movie, I didn't realize that it was as short as it was. Me I neither. Was like, wow, that was, like... That had to be, like, cap in 120. No. She was quick and sweet. But I, again, like, I was transported to the degree that I felt like I had literally been traveling the American mountains and plains and regions with Fern. And I wish... I wish I could have been there to see Chloe do her thing, do her little editing, directing, writing thing. I feel like it would just be I bet she commanded that set. I know. But in a nice way. Like, all the pictures of her, I bet that she would be, like, the coolest, like, aunt. Oh, Like, she would have that kind of vibe. Or she would, like, teach you and guide you. Yeah. And can you imagine being in conversation with Chloe Zhao and Frances. Oh my and god. And Frances McDormand. And Linda May. Oh, don't even get me started and on Linda, Linda May. May bro. And Swanky. Oh my god. There are people in the world 
that are born and bred and made like their souls are forged from this very special matter that has come from some beautiful star somewhere off in the world that like that they're they're born to tell stories yeah chadwick boseman's like that francis mcdormand is like that hell laura dern is like that but chloe zhao is that to the umpteenth Mm -hmm. degree her mind. I can't wait to see what she does. I, next. I can't. Me too. I know. I'm obsessed. Like I'm excited for her to get a bunch of accolades this year, but I'm like more, more. Give me more, Chloe. But we're talking about how obsessed we are with Linda May and Swanky. All of the nomads in the movie are real nomads, like real life people. Swanky's middle name is Swanky. Yes, but okay. Who was the lead? The leader? No, Bob. Bob, Bob, Bob Wells. Bob Wells. Okay, so Bob Wells did not know that Frances McDormand was a celebrity. He didn't know it when they were filming. He did not know who she was. And so whenever she was telling him at the end of the movie about how her husband Bo had died. Wait, is that stuff about his son real? Yes, that's stuff about his son is real. (gasps) So when she was talking about her husband dying to Bob, Bob was actually like very sympathetic and was like, I'm so sorry, was offering her advice and stuff. (gasps) Like that was real, that was real. And then after they were done filming that scene, Francis was like, my husband is actually so-and-so and and they're still alive. And he was like, what? You're famous? So I just thought that was insanely fun. That's insanity. That's amazing. And that is such a testament to Francis. Please, please, somebody look up and tell me, did Swanky die really? Did she die? No, she's alive still. She's She's living. But I will tell you, girl, that is a very serendipitous Yalitza Aparicio moment. Pick Swanky off the streets put her in front of a camera and let her do her magic. When I looked her up and saw, it was just like swanky. I was like, she was born for this. She really was my girl. And Linda May was my favorite. It's like, mid, have you guys seen mid nineties? Yes. Yeah. Mid nineties, Jonah Hill did the same thing. All those skaters were actually Right, they were real kids. They found were just, around LA. I love that. It's so organic. That's so cool. Cause that makes for such an authentic yeah. viewing experience. Right. right. Like nobody's gonna know the life of a nomad better than a real nomad. And you know what's funny? Is that I like actually like where are their awards? Like where are their noms? Where's Linda May's nom? I know. I was like expecting to have them have an IMDb page full of credits, and then I was like swanky 2020. (laughs) (laughs) What an absolute testament though to Frances McDormand's performance as well then. That she was able to immerse herself in that world in that way. And Chloe too. What tickles my fancy is that. Oh, I don't want to say that. Um, no, please say that, Julia. Please tickle, tickle <laughs> my fancy. What tickles my fancy is I'm curious to know about the script, how much of it was scripted, and I'm curious to know about Francis's yeah. reactions to the stories that were being told because those were real stories. So I'm she is either just an amazing person and the way she listened and showed emotion and was just a sympathetic ear to those people, or she is the actress of the century. So either way, good for you. Well, I was going to say, it's also a testament to Chloe. Right. Because I genuinely yeah. can't imagine sitting, like, pulling people off the street. And espe- this is going to sound mean, but especially, like, older people, because sometimes old people can be so stubborn. And, like, sitting Scary down... me! Sitting down with an old person and, like, directing them. and be- But I mean, like... I can't, I don't even know if they were acting. You know what I mean? Like at this point, I don't even know if they were truly acting or if they were just genuinely sitting down on camera telling their stories. Right. Which is like. beautiful. It is so difficult, especially like this was not a documentary. Exactly. This is a feature dramatic film. And to be able to capture the, the pure humanity of all of these people in the way that she did in this film is like 
a bravada. It is seriously, like, a magnum right. opus of filmmaking. Like, I hope that this totally deserved Best Picture at the Globes, I want, and I hope oh that God. it... I want yeah. a documentary to come out about how the process of making the movie. Like, I want to know how, like, she got the Nomads, how... Like, I want to know what the script looked like, like, how much of it was scripted. Hold on, I, I feel found like... the script deadline, posted it Oh my last gosh, month. give it, give us a taste. Kim. I took a class my freshman year of college, um, a writing class, and we did a unit on nomadism and how it's actually really common across the United States. We just don't hear about it a lot because it's in a lot of, um, it's, like, more out west where there are wide open spaces and, like, places to actually be a nomad rather than, like, in the streets of New York and stuff. Um, and it's honestly, like... I don't want to sound like a hippie or anything. Oh, there's a female qualifier for you. <laughs> but it's it's honestly a really beautiful life for the people that choose to live it. Like, I could never do it personally, but, like, the way that the people talked about it, like, you could tell that this is just what they love to do is to be free and, and roam. And, it God, it was just such a... I still can't fathom how the world she created translated so well into this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it was seriously a full-body experience. Like, mind, soul, heart, yeah. everything. I felt every emotion possible. Oh, my God. I laughed. I wept. I shook. I was scared. Director so Zhao. I'm like, seeing. Ms. Zhao, if you ever listen to this podcast, please, I would love to just see you. This is an 87-page-long yeah, script. It's a minute a page. Yeah, I'm a DMP minor. A minute a page. So that checks out. So from what I'm seeing, everything is scripted. Also, I just scrolled past the part where she abandons the dog, and I'm so sad reliving that right now. Oh, my God, when yeah. She, oh, she my God, that little cat. The way she walked away. I was like, oh, my God. I was. Like, I texted Maddie. I was oh. like, I have to go hug Fergie right now. <laughs> <laughs> From yeah, from what I'm seeing, everything is scripted, and that is that is also just a testament to Chloe Zhao's mind. She knew exactly what she wanted, and it's so crazy yeah. that it tr- t- totally trans like translated like it all could have been improv. There was no fade so in. She though, literally Michelle. wrote the script. Wow, okay. there's no fade in. Yeah, Livy, how cool is that? That we literally were sitting here like, there's no way like all of this was scripted, and now we're looking at the script and we're like, oh, yeah, so it was. Like, are you kidding? That's what a director does. Oh my god, it says she is Fern. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, like I can't. Like, I, oh. it's so good. I'm about to read this all night. I know, I'm literally about to read no, this. No, I'm seriously going to read it. I'm about to watch the movie again and watch yeah, it and, and read, read it, it while I'm watching the movie. <laughs> and be like, oh. if you really want to understand movies, I get if you're scared and you don't want to, like, dive this deep into it because it's a lot but if you really want to understand a movie the backbone of every movie is the script if you don't have a good script you don't have a good story and you're not going to be able to put out a good piece of cinema no matter if you have the if you have like viola davis and francis mcdormand and like bob odenkirk and jake gyllenhaal and like i love that those are your picks (laughs) yeah like what are your top picks like with hillbilly elegy amy adams and glenn close have been two of the best actors on the market for like two decades but they still couldn't do a good job because the, the way this shitty. movie will never leave us alone. I know. Yeah. Somebody yeah. tweeted the day. It's just the only bad example we the have. The day of the Oscar nomination, somebody tweeted, um, I should have favorited it or retweeted it, but someone said that every Oscar nominated movie started with a script and a writer. And I was like, thank you for reminding me. That's uh, I love that, Kate. That's so true. The screenplay is so important. And if you want to understand the importance of a screenplay, 
read this one. Read it along with the movie because that's how you'll start to understand how it works. Like with directing and editing and all that stuff. I'm about to print the script out and like tape it to my wall. I'm about to get this line tattooed down my spine. Ready? Fern, yeah. Linda, May, and Swanky munch on corn dogs and sign up for seasonal jobs. <laughs> the ladies are having a great time. Oh my gosh, I've been craving corn dogs for like three months, and then they ate one in front Wait, of me, and oh I was like, God. I'm actually so upset that there's only three. I know, because it could have been us. I know, I was like, who would be the, who would be Fern, who would be Swanky, who would be Linda May? I think I'm Linda May. Maddie, you're definitely, you give me Linda May vibes. Hey, huh. screw your Zodiac sign, which one of the nomads are you? <laughs> yeah, which Nomadland girl are you? <laughs> I'm so, I am such a Swanky, it's really bad, I dress like her, Okay, I fine, like I'll her. be Chloe, and then Kane can be Fern. <laughs> Hey, you kind of get firm I know, vibes. but why is she Chloe? Well, I'm Asian American and you're not, so. Representation, Kane. It's but she's rep- not a nomad. But it's for representation purposes. Okay, anyway, I had something to say and it was actually kind of important. <laughs> oh, it was just about screenplay. I was just okay. going to say another really great screenplay that everybody should read if you want to understand how mind-blowing they could be is the Little Women one, the Greta Gerwig one. <laughs> um facts i don't facts. okay i don't know if i've talked about it on the podcast before or mentioned it to you guys before but it's color-coded um and she has at the beginning and end of every line that somebody should interrupt the other person and they talk over each other it's written in red yeah so, like, line and the beginning of sir sharon's lines are in red so that, that they know that they're supposed to be talking over each other and that happened a lot in that movie. i've never thought of that I, that happened a lot in that movie. Like, we were ta- again, that's incredible that those freaking nomads. <laughs> those freaking nomads. Right and seeing every line that. Is that <laughs> isolating? Those freaking nomads? nomads? No, I don't. I don't, I don't know. It's well, they are identity. nomads. I think they self identify as nomads. Yeah. Well, I, I really, don't know what else you would I'm literally them. looking. Like, I'm looking at Swanky's delivery of her saying that she has cancer right now and seeing it literally scripted. But it felt like she was just genuinely, like, telling Francis, Francis right. that. Like, it's so amazing to me. She reminded me a lot of my I aunt. I mean, I'm, I'm not, like, an expert on this topic, so there's really, like, take what I say with a grain of salt. But, like, when we learned about nomadism, um, we learned about how harmful the word homeless can be. And I really liked the part in the movie where um, when they were at that right. sporting goods store mm-hmm. and Frances McDormand saw that girl that she had tutored and she said she wasn't homeless, she yes. was houseless. Because I think a huge takeaway of this movie is, like, home is what you make it. It doesn't have to be a roof and four walls, you know? Home is people. Home is places. Home is things. Home is so people. Home is people. Home is what home is to you. And the term homeless is so stupid. Just because you don't want to go into debt for the rest of your life to rent a house that or buy a house yeah, that you can't that afford. was period screw you george screw you landlords yeah screw go you ahead realtors industry. we don't like you yeah hop out of here Sorry, guys i just want to talk about francis mcdormand for literally hours the the part that struck me the most and always will if you've never seen if you've never like watched videos of especially you three if you guys have never seen or heard francis mcdormand do shakespeare get on oh, that my. when she started reading son in 18 I was, like, I was like, this is why she's the queen of Broadway. On Broadway. <laughs> she's everything. The way that she can switch from, like, being this fern, like, this this super developed person into, like, that beautiful prose, like, Shakespearean reading, like, perfect cadence, yeah. perfect diction, everything. Like, it's baffling. And it's such a testament to who she is as a performer and an artist. Like, she is another pure blooded artist and that's that pennsylvania blood in her that baby. is that westmoreland county native blood i just i loved 
I loved watching um, Francis McDormand just react. Well, not react, but just listen to the Nomad stories. Um, her reactions were so priceless. I just, ugh, it just seemed like she so cared about what they were saying. And she wanted to know about their lives. And she was just, she was like, I would classify her as grandma. I don't, I don't think I would call her Mima or Mama or Baba. She's grandma to me. If that makes sense yeah. to anyone. She'd be a grandma, but she wouldn't want you to call her grandma. She'd want you to call her friend. Yeah, no, but but I would have to call her grandma. Grandma. Yeah. yeah. Um, grandma and grandpa. That part, guys, when she was sitting with that group of nanas and the one nana was talking yep. about her wedding ring. Yep. Like, do you think that's real? I knew that real? would take Maddie out. Me, I, knew, I, I knew that would take Maddie out. That's why I'm so obsessed with this movie because I don't know what was scripted, what was improv what was not meant to happen. Stop. In the script right now. Her name is Grandma, that character. No. Grandma says, that ring is a circle and it never ends. That means your love never ends. His love for you never ends. And you may not be able to take it off if you tried. And Fern says, I don't think I could. Ah! Ah! I wrote in my notes. I didn't write a lot of notes for this because I was just so tired. I didn't write a single one. Um, I couldn't. But I wrote that uh francis mcdormand is the most human human to ever exist period yes that's how that's oh. exactly how she was she was a, just a human and in everything she's ever been in she's like that she was like that in fargo she was like that in three billboards she yeah. was like that in 12th freaking night like she is a human. i love the way i love her diction in the movie too i love the way she spoke every line she said oh my god i was just like talk more francis like please i would love to hear what you have to say but it reminds me of Minari because of how genuine the people in this movie were. And it makes sense because they were real nomads and this is really their life. So um, it makes sense. This but. was a, another movie where it felt like nothing happened, but at the same time, nothing needed to happen. At yeah, all. exactly, Kane. Yeah, I, exactly. Those movies are my favorite. Those and are I, my favorite. I'm afraid that people are going to be like, oh, that movie was so boring. That movie was so stupid because nothing happened. Well, then but you weren't paying attention. That, yeah, then you weren't paying They're attention. Say, Oscar bait, Oscar bait. Also, you don't care about character development i think livy said this earlier but again what a testament to francis mcdormand how she was able to just become a nomad and become yeah. fern i i really want to see like if there are any interviews after we're done filming i want to see if there are any interviews with the cast i want to know if because they were so good at acting like linda yeah. may are you kidding I'm like Linda. Did you at, like drop out of Tinder? Yeah, or like what to go be <laughs> What? Like, hello. <laughs> She's trained. That is also an incredible testament. I've said incredible testament fifty times because I don't know any other words to Chloe Zhao as well because I'm sure that like she had to coach them and everything, and she just probably told them to just be that. I know because that's yeah. who they were. They were themselves and they were so good. If the I chemistry could... between everybody was so beautiful. It's like it's like my thing with kid actors. Like whenever I see a movie where people this is their first time acting and they literally have no experience at all and they are just picked for some reason, I get nervous cuz I feel like sometimes I can tell like that they're acting. Or when they just throw in a celebrity and you're like Yeah, like but I couldn't. So yeah. that's why I'm so oh, I'm baffled at how amazing yeah. they did. The weekend in uncut gems. Okay, he was kind of <laughs> good. He was kind of good. <laughs> he actually was kind of good. Okay, listen. The only acting I didn't like was Emily. Who was Emily? Emily. She was Dave's daughter in the Oh, Dave's yeah, she was too late. Oh, on the porch for like on five the porch seconds. she was weird yeah Francis she was like he liked her face you. off and she was like dave talks about you a lot but honestly <laughs> like, that okay, is so, so how weird. you would talk to your dad-in-law's girly 
that is so how that conversation would go though but like here's that the thing here's the thing that i love so much who played dave what's his name he was wonderful by the way he's an actress i think an actress he's an actress well he was awesome and i loved their it was like watching two preteens like <laughs> they're fumbling their awkwardness i it was know so it was like watching young and love. heartfelt and it was like love but it was like it was, oh, it, it, I wouldn't say it, it was like, it was like borderline non-platonic, but it was like so purely platonic yeah. at the same time. Like they genuinely were just like connected souls. And they just really enjoyed like, like, you know, whenever you're around people and you just genuinely want to see them more because you enjoy your, their presence, like that's just how it was. I didn't, I honestly didn't classify it as a romantic um relationship i didn't either and i loved and appreciated that a lot i feel like that was on purpose by chloe i think chloe wanted that because i don't think she wanted this to be like oh fern's gonna find like the man of her dreams when she becomes a nomad it's all gonna be perfect like no this was strictly about fern and not about fern like finding the love of her life again after her husband died like that's not how it was gonna i have right. to say i did write down sorry but dave is a gilf livy he has been nominated for an Oscar, a BAFTA, a Critics' Choice, two Globes, and four What? Okay, who the hell is he? David Strathairn. He's been in 136 different people. Okay, well, he rocked. But he's so got a I'm repertoire. sorry we don't know who you are, sir, but you are incredible. All I wrote on my notes was, Dave breaking all her dishes, she didn't need your help. Baby. He's got a resume. We know Francis does. And again, like Julia said before, I was watching this movie and I was like, best supporting, swanky. Like, I'm like, these nomads went toe to freaking toe with these decorated actors. And that's no insult to these actors because they were all incredible, too. Guys, I wrote down um, a couple lines that I really loved that I just want to read to you guys really quickly. Okay, and then I'll do mine Um, because it's comedic and I'll ruin it. (laughs) One was when Linda May and um, Fern were just walking around the Badlands when they were in charge of the camp together. and, And Fern said... We'd be the bitches of the bad. Badland bitches! <laughs> yes! Like, yeah! And then when Linda May and Fern were... This was the first time I wept, like, actually, like a child. Like, I wish my mom would have been here to hold me. Mm, when they were saying hugs. goodbye to one another, and they were hugging, and Linda May said to her, you've given me so much. Oh, I know. I was like, that is the most pure... You guys all give me a friendship like Linda May and I Fern. I feel like our friendship is Linda May and Fern and Swanky. That Don't is say that on the podcast. For. Wait a second. I'm looking in the script right now, and the only time that the word B-I-T-C-H is coming up when Fern's on the phone with her sister. That I'm was not, funny. That was improv, so, was the B in the Badlands line improv? Yes. I would hope so, because that, I'm obsessed. that was funny. Oh the my sister God. was awesome, too. Their chemistry yeah. was insane. I was like, so that's good. literally me and Maddie. I know. Maddie stop, would be Stop. Maddie would be Dolly, and I would be Fern. Stop it. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I was literally sitting there thinking You the would not marry so a realtor. Mad. Oh, my God. Don't. Wait. Can I say my favorite line that yeah. I wrote down? Yes, Kane. Whenever yes. they were getting that little tour of, I don't know where they were, a zoo? I don't know. But they were getting a tour from that guy, Terry, and then he went in and fed the alligators some rabbits. And Francis Dormant just screams, get out of there, Terry, get out! And I could not stop laughing. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Watching her watch an animal get fed another animal, I was like, me. She's funny and charming and and eccentric and weird and cute and sweet. She was weird. Fern weird as hell. Yeah, Fern was weird as hell, but she rocks. She was weird but as hell, Fern's but I was watching person. it and I was like, oh, 
I would do that. I would <laughs> get out okay. of there, Terry, to a she man. She was just such a person. Like, I can't fathom it. How she's, every role she ever plays, she's just such a real person. She bodies it. She bodies okay, it. I have to bring it back to the poop because I texted Maddie when it happened and I was like, I simply cannot imagine sitting in front of a, a film crew, pulling down my pants and pretending to have diarrhea. And then Maddie was like, do you Again, think it was, was real poop? Like, and I, I'm like, I don't. I'm like, do you think it was No, there's got to be some rule and regulation that you yeah, can't Yeah, I don't think she actually was, was diarrheaing. Um, I do want to say, I though. I felt it, though. I felt it. That I felt it. I felt it. <laughs> Her stomach girl Well, I don't have to Francis number two, but I think it's about time for a number one. Maddie, that, that was, was so good. good. Wait, I have, <laughs> wait. I have in my notes. Like Frances McDormand, we have to piss because at the beginning of the movie, she pulled over yeah. to the side of the she road. She did pee. piss. She did. She did pee piss. too. Because like, Squat like Frances McDormand, we've got a lot Y'all to say. Y'all ever peed outside? I've, or I've peed outside. outside. Yeah, but I, I didn't do too well. Outside. I got it on my pants. I was like seven. It wasn't fun. Maddie, I'm gonna be honest. I'm listening. I have no idea how you put together the podcast. Me neither. What? Just kidding. I honestly would not have been able to do this without Anchor. Okay, first of all, Anchor is free? Yes, it's free to use, and they distribute your podcast for you on whatever platforms you choose. Well, since it's free, though, it sucks that we don't make any money. That's not true. We can make money with our podcast with no minimum listenership. Wait, what? Yeah. No, seriously, what? Why haven't I seen any of this money? We'll talk about that later. Anchor is also super convenient because the four of us all live in different locations and we're able to record and edit the podcast right from our phones and computers. I'm seriously so poor and you're telling me we've been making money that I don't know about? It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Maddie! Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Whatever. And now, back to the show. As we segue into cinematography, I just want to say that this is on my list of movies that I wish I had gotten to see in theaters because it is so well shot. It is so beautiful. And it's not even, I mean, it is obviously the work of the cinematographer, but I like the, in regards to like color correction and stuff like that, like it's not even that. It's the fact that they got these beautiful sunsets. I don't know where they filmed this, but their location was stunning and they had, like, it was just. It was a match made in heaven. They had the perfect location to work with and a cinematographer that knew what he was doing. And I just wish I could have seen it on a, a bigger screen it than my laptop. It was shot in five states. South Dakota, Nebraska, Arizona, Nevada, and California. The West. I've never been to the West, but girl, I want to go so bad. That giant cactus in that one shot. Bro, I just, just want to go in And this movie just like... There were so many beautiful, beautiful wide shots. I'm a sucker for a wide shot. I am. Y'all well, know I guess am. what I'm a sucker for? Continuous shots and mama, yeah. mama, mama, yeah. mama, mama's yeah. face. Whenever her... they followed her walking through the, yes. the RV. Yes, Kane. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, yeah, wait yeah, for yeah, Julia yeah. to Kane, see this. I was, that was so the excited. One. That was the one. The camera like, work you. in this movie was so crazy. It was so the times good. it was so intimate, like when it would move with the characters. Like the first shot of the movie was so striking of her going through her husband's things in that storage unit, and the way that the camera worked in that, and it was so different from like those huge, major wide shots of the beautiful, like sweeping mountain landscapes and everything. Guys, why did the wide shot of the dinosaur like send me? I like, took a screenshot. I was of just it. like, "Holy crap!" H- him taking her picture. Guys, By the way, Kiwi's Big Adventure. Typeface. 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 Not is bad so, at all. So good. I at first I was like, "That's a little weird." I loved but it. But it grew on me so I loved much. It. It's just so like 
It was so perfect. It was perfect. Good job, Chloe. Good job, Chloe. The, yeah, this, the cinema. This was the prettiest movie of the year. It was job, gorgeous and beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah, Joshua gorgeous. James Richards. Like you, definitely had some help from the landscaping and everything. But like you did an awesome job of bringing out the best in every and shot. And you're hot. And you're hot. Really yeah, good inclusion. Maddie. They were beautiful. It was like they were. Painted. I loved. Like we just spent literally five months talking about how good the actors were, but I love the way that they shot those very intimate conversations when Francis and Bob were sitting there telling their stories, sharing their traumas. God, you did really feel like you were there. You did really feel like you were there with them and you were up close and it wasn't uncomfortable. It was like just perfectly placed you in that conversation. I know, I know. Stunning. There is something so magical and wonderful and beautiful and unique about music in, in movies. And it's when directors are able to take advantage of the conflicts between diegetic and anti-diegetic music. Non-diegetic. I think anti-diegetic is also inappropriate. So now it's the time when you tell me what those words are. Yeah, I was just going to get into that actually, Julia. So diegetic music is music that exists in the world of the film. So like all of the music in Baby Driver is diegetic. Okay, okay. He's listening to it through his headphones. Non-diegetic music is like the score and stuff like that. And in the third act of this movie, there was a section... I think it was right after she left Dave's house and she was like off on her own again. Um, And that beautiful seven days walking piano motif started and then it built into like that orchestral version of it, which is just so, so astounding. And there was a shot of a group sitting around a fire and they were singing with the guitar. And that was just such an incredible, like... I'm going to cry right now. I'm actually like going to buy it on vinyl. It's giving me Monsters, Inc. It's giving me. Oh my god! Like, it, it was minor intervals. No, it's like, serving me. Oh my god! It's serving me joy, find sadness once again, just like Minari did. I know I'm gonna add it to my score soundtrack and sob to it when I fall asleep. Well, guys, get used to the composer because he also was the composer for the father, which we are watching before the. Oscars. No way! Are we about to get wrecked Thank again? You're for him. Oh sweet! It's a man, I'm guessing. Oh, I don't think it's on game. vinyl yet. Disgusting. Oh, Minari vinyl. Minari vinyl drops April 2nd. <gasps> so you know. Rain song. Got it. He also wrote some songs for Sharp Objects. Whoa. And Insidious. Oh. Insidious. Wow. I'm not kidding. I'm about to sit in my car and put this on and like park in a parking lot really far away because it's <laughs> raining here tonight. I'm not kidding. I'm about to literally, after we're done recording, go sit under the light with in your the empty Walmart parking lot and put this score on and eat my Wait, I'm actually so doing that. I'm actually totally going to do that when it gets dark when mom gets home. What a beautiful, beautiful. I'm so upset that I wasn't nominated. God. Yeah, that is baffling yeah, to me. It was really truly, good. Like, this is this is the best score of the year for me by leagues. I can't agree like, with that. I will listen to I can't this agree until with that. I die. Minari still hits me different. Minari was second for me, but this was just, like, there's just... I don't know what it is, but there's something about, for me at least, like, a, a build like that. Like, when you start Soul's with something really so simple, like a piano. Um, hello, joy, fine, sadness. And then sadness. build it. Sorry. It's, yeah, exactly, Julia. Like, it's just so, ma- music is so magical, and I'm a huge music nerd as well. There's a really great um, channel on YouTube, the guy's called Sideways, and he has some really great analyses of not only um, film scores, but of music used in tv and musical theater and all this stuff like it is it is truly amazing what you can achieve with music in movies in in television in theater 
like it, it's a whole other storytelling device that in this film especially was like just put it beyond the moon for me I just I can't wait to listen to it like it was there was never a time where it was inappropriate and I loved the the variations were so good too like I'm a sucker for a leitmotif that sticks with you like 1917 did an awesome job with that shout out Thomas Newman nephew of Randy Newman whose score for Marriage Story was awful no offense Randy was <laughs> that an awful score you me. <laughs> but there, there was so much about this score that was like it, it lived and breathed with the movie. Yeah. It changed with the characters. It was yeah, different. It was pensive. It was urgent. It was it was patient. It was kind. It was it was damning at some points. Like it was just a beautiful piece of music. Yeah. And I can't wait to listen to it in my free time. I know, I can't wait to put it on in the background whenever I play Minecraft. Oh my god, Julia, yeah. that's gonna I know. hit I know. realming. I know, oh. y'all. I like that you say that it lived and breathed with the movie. Because this piece does. It has It a has life. a soul. It has soul. Holy crap. It has a heart. It has life. Yeah, this movie, bro, and it deserves every ounce of praise that it's getting. Right. It scares me, though, like, this harkens kind of to Roma for me in the way that, I think I said this about Minari, too, like, some people just aren't into pieces like this. Like, when they see a movie, they want, like, superheroes flying and, like, love and the rain and romance and, like, all that grandeur, and, like, that's fine, but, like, there's so much beauty in everyday life and i think this movie did a, a very good job of showing us that beauty and i so appreciate movies that like I've, i always say this word on the podcast for some reason that aren't like caricaturistic right and th- this was just so real like it was so phenomenally real yeah. i hope the nomads felt well represented my yeah i really hope they did because me too low-key my life got a little changed um this movie kind of was like a wake up not a wake up call but it was it was it was a revelation in a way for me because i was it was just like there's just so much dumb stuff that goes on in my life that like if i was a nomad it wouldn't even matter so like i don't know it was just so, it was road trip literally like i would love to just hop in a van and just i don't know just go around the world and just not have to like deal with anything anymore you know it was it was a good movie to watch no, they still have they still it, have it was really like things, but... it brought me down to earth again you know like i love whenever i see things yeah. that just like really put things into perspective for me i think that it was also nice to see that while there were some people who did fall on hard times and had to revert to becoming a nomad it right. seemed like some of the people were there by choice by choice yes which I think was a nice thing to show because I feel like a lot of people see people that live out of their cars as like homeless and junkies homeless. who yeah. brought this on themselves, yeah. that kind of thing. And I thought that was a really nice representation. For sure. Of Like some people literally do not have a choice, but some people do have the choice and they still want to do this for themselves. And respect that choice. Yeah. And the other thing too, never once did I feel like they were romanticizing no no at all like they showed you the actual struggles like you saw how they actually live and it is tough it is tough i could tell you i am not cut out long term i respect you guys oh i yeah i'm not cut out for it i could not I, i i don't think i could ever do that but we forgot to bring up the scene that literally gave me goosebumps chills anxiety i just i became a mess whenever 
Dave... When she left the dog. No, when Dave was trying to help her, but he picked up the box, and then her stuff <gasps> broke. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This movie hurt me specifically in that scene because, like, watching somebody just be sad and living in the fact that they are sad. Do you know what I mean? Does that yeah. make sense? And that's how I felt watching her, especially in that part where she's gluing her little dishes that her I dad know. gave her that she loved so much. Oh I was God, like, this woman soul. is so sad, and she knows she's so sad, and it's making me sad. so sad. And mm-hmm. I hate Dave. But she was also so funny at times, too. Right. Like, she when she told to she was like, go like, over there! And when she said, rocks, in all capital letters with a period oh, yeah. afterwards. Rocks! She was so free. She was so free. Like, she was so burdened, but she was so she was fighting so hard to I be know. free. I know. Right. So beautiful. That was such a good way to put it, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you, Nomadland. Honestly, seriously, Nomadland. Seriously, though, thank you. Like, I'm not Piss break, piss break, gonna take a piss break. We all gotta take a break and empty out our urinary bladder. There we go. That's a good, that's a break. (laughs) As opposed to our other bladder? Yeah. There are other bladders in the body. The gallbladder. Oh, Oh, I guess I never made the connection. Well, you learn something new every day. Yep. Maddie. Kane. You like murder. I wouldn't say I like it, but for the purpose of the ad, continue. For a lot of people, podcasts about true crime means hours of entertainment. Who killed John Bonet? You know. Right, and for some people, smoking weed also means hours of entertainment. And if you like those two things, or even just one of them, you should 100% check out Truly High Crime, or THC, the podcast. Every Monday, the incomparable Kimmy will smoke a little weed and unpack a true crime story. So, kick off your week with a little THC wherever you get your podcast. Love you, Kimmy. So we're changing the format of this section a little bit because Oscar nominations are out, yo. They are out. They are here. So up to this point, uh, let me just say, first of all, we did a pretty dang good job at picking the movies. You're welcome for predictions. Every single movie that we've talked about so far has gotten at least one nomination. So proud of us. But up until this point, we would guess and say here's what we want, here's what we maybe expect. Now we know. Now we know for sure. So for the next couple of movies. We're going to look at what it was actually nominated for, and we'll say whether or not we think it deserves that nomination, and if there's anything that we wish it would right. have gotten. So Nomadland is nominated for six Oscars. Best Picture, Best Cinematography, Best Director, Best Actress and for Frances McDormand, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Editing. And I think every single one well of deserved. those is 5,000. Oh, well deserved. deserved. I agree. I mean, that's all I have to say. The only other thing I have to say is, I wish that Linda May or Swanky would have gotten nominated for actress in a supporting role. I'm not even, I'm literally not even kidding right now. They should have gotten a nom. Should have got a score nomination. The fact that the score isn't there is criminal. Like I'm devastated. Yeah, that's No, yeah, I I really think the score should have been nominated. I think that there's absolutely no question that Chloe Zhao is going to win Best Director. Yeah, if she doesn't, yeah, I will literally go to the Dolby Theater and steal it out of whoever wins. Yeah, and that that'll be. I bad. just want to say I'm so torn about Best Picture. I really I don't know what to do. I don't know what to I do. I am too. I don't oh either. my god, same. Like I'm happy with everything that's been nominated. We haven't seen some of them yet, but I'm pretty sure that they're gonna be fine. Like, oh wait, and can we just take a moment to celebrate? That Hillbilly Elegy is not on yes! the list. Hey, you! Yeah! 
Thank God, because we made a lot of threats. Like we said, we no, we we made a lot yeah. of threats. There was a that lot would on that. <laughs> very bad if we had to. Yeah, Julia uh, said we were gonna get yeah. tattoos that said we were wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank God. I know this isn't gonna happen, um, but I tweeted a very long time ago something about how I'll be very upset if I have to watch Glenn Close win her Oscar for Hillbilly Elegy. And, and then it, she got nominated, nominated for it, which I think there's absolutely zero There's no way she's going to win. I'm so sorry, but no. But the thought's still there. It's like your chances of getting killed by Mima are, are, are slim, but aren't zero. They are now zero. So I'm, I'm really know. happy that. Would win. I don't know. I don't care. I don't want to talk I'm about just, that. I want to talk I'm about that. I'm just so no happy that Chloe got nominated for Best Director. That literally makes my heart And the screenplay. Sore. Yeah. I think she might win screenplay. And editing. Like, this was her baby yeah. girl. This was her child. And it is getting the accolades. So, respect, I definitely Chloe. think... Respect. I feel like it'll win best um, editing. And I think it'll win best directing. I think this could possibly sweep the Oscars. I honestly am... I won't be shocked if it does. It could have a moment. Yeah, Julia. It could. I seriously think... Out of the screenplay adapted um, category, I, I think that it's probably gonna win i don't know about editing yet because we still haven't seen the father or sound of metal and i've heard they're both really good and also i yeah. love the editing in shy seven and promising even but like this was just next level. yeah this so was this definitely next be my level. pick right now yeah but it just ah! also since it is women's history month and this is obviously a very um female heavy technical wait a second wait, wait a freaking second chloe zhao studied under spike lee ah! It all makes sense. Oh my god, it I'm so obsessed sense. with that dynamic. Oh my god. Oh my <laughs> and how god. magic is it that they both have films up this year and they are so vastly different. Right? Too. Like, like that's they're so each cool. their own artists. That she is super is definitely cool. uh, she's definitely gonna become like a Spike Lee type he director, her you know? Like she's gonna have her own she's gonna have her own genre pretty soon i can't wait to see her work on the eternals even she's gonna bring a whole new flair to marvel listen to her though she's the first woman of color nominated for best director she is the most nominated woman in a single year with her three individual nominations for screenplay editing and as a producer in the best picture category that's incredible that's and her and emerald Fennell are joining they are now part of the five women ever who have ever been nominated for best director. do you know how disgusting that is in 93 years Thank i'm you. proud of these women i'm, I'm very so proud of them, i'm so and I'm proud happy that but it's so the sad they deserve but pour one out right now for all the women directors who were never nominated because for so long this has been such a disgusting white man's game it's changing slowly, and we have so oh, we have much, so much work to do, to do. So much to do. But I look at Chloe Zhao, and I look at the piece she created, and I look at the fact that she's her movie's nominated for six Oscars, and is hopefully going to take home plenty of them. And I get a smile on my Me face. Me too. I, I get do. a smile on my face. Yeah, I do. My Benson is for that poor abandoned dog. Um, I'm so sad for them, and I hope they find a home. Thank you. Thanks. I literally, when we started planning the podcast in January, <laughs> we've been on the Nomadland train for a while. When we started planning the pod, we knew that this had to be on the watch list. And we were 
trying to figure out like, oh, some of these movies are really good and they're not going to win Oscars, so we should give our own awards too. What should we call them? And we called them the Bensons, and we were writing what some of the Bensons we thought we would give out would be. And I was like, well, I automatically have to give one to Frances McDormand because she's literally from Westmoreland County, went to Manesson High School, where I would go every year to do vocal and dance. And I would get third place out of four people competing. So, Francis, <laughs> this, for West this goes County, out to baby. This goes to the streets of Westmoreland Woo! County. This goes seven to the Whippeals. This goes four. to Western PA. Seven, seven two, four, two, four, four We love you, Francis. I think I'm going to go ahead and give my Benson to the bitches of the Badlands. Yeah, period. Amen. I love women. I respect women. I'm so proud to be a woman every day. I'm very secure in my femininity. I'm lucky for that, and I'm very lucky to be surrounded by a lot of really strong women in my life that inspire Thank me you. every day, and Frances McDormand and Chloe Zhao are on that list, as are Swanky, Linda May, May. and every every woman, just women inspire me, and they were awesome in this film, and the fact that Chloe Zhao is going to take home all this hardware for this is like a huge step, not only for women, but for Asian American Pacific Islanders and people of color in general like it's a huge thing and it's really amazing to get to watch this happening yeah. and I'm really glad I get to do it with you guys well now Aww. my Benson sounds stupid so thanks <laughs> Kane still valid still valid I'm just so sad for that dog my Benson it's definitely going to be for Chloe for being a triple threat everything that she is nominated for is so well deserved and I I just can't stop thinking about how shocked she was whenever she won for the Golden Globes. She literally was like, wait, what? That was insane. And she just looked, oh, she just looks so, oh, I just want to hug her. But yeah, I just, Chloe's the girl boss. She's the girl boss, so. She's like a genuine no, girl she's boss, like not even in a sarcastic girl boss. way. She, do you know how hard she had to have worked to direct, write, and edit this movie? I could never do that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm so lazy, but she's not. So, <laughs> so I'm, she is I'm not. Proud of her. Thank God for yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Chloe. Chloe. We're so Thank proud you. of you, girl. Cl- Director amazing. Chloe, you we love you. Francis McDormand, we love you. Women, we love you. See you down the road. Women, see you down the road. Episode nine in the bag, baby, and only 37 days until the Oscars. Wow. As always, thanks to Anchor for hosting the show and Ryland Jenkins Snaith for his help with the intro and the outro. And in case you couldn't tell, we have a lot of thoughts about the Oscar nominations. So until our special pre-Oscars episode, we're just going to gripe about choices on our social media. So come join us. We're at Oscar Bait Podcast on Instagram and at Oscar Bait the Pod on Twitter. Also, we're at Oscar Bait Podcast on TikTok. I always forget to say that. So follow us on TikTok. And we'll see you down the road. This is Oscar Pate.